Although they are known to possess a vast and extraordinary collection of antiques, not a single member of the Collins family is aware of the many cursed objects in their midst. But they will soon learn the truth, a truth that will lead to misfortune, madness, and terror at Collinwood. Collinwood. I am your hostess, Penny Dreadful, a.k.a. Danielle, and I have got an amazing show for you guys today. You are not going to believe the sights that are in store for you. My guest today is Jeff Kenny, who is co-administrator of the Dark Shadows Collectibles Facebook group. He's been a hardcore Dark Shadows fan since April of 1990 and has a particular love for Seaview Terrace, attending the annual events and immersing himself in studying the history of the house. In fact, Jeff even has a truly epic tattoo of Collinwood on his arm. He is a mega collector of Dark Shadows merchandise and is one of the only people that I know of who once owned the Ben Cooper Barnabas Collins costume and mask with the original box that blows my mind that is a grail item welcome to the show jeff thank you for having me oh it's my pleasure before we get started i want to mention that while the audio version of this is going out to all the feeds like apple podcast etc this is also going to be a video version of the podcast which you will get to see if you go to the terror at collinwood youtube channel so that you can follow along and, and look at all the items uh that jeff has very kindly brought with him to, to show us uh, i also have my backdrop here with my Dark Shadows collection back here. And you can see part of my monster collection here on the side too. Uh, so um, this is my monster room. So this is this is where I go to commune with the with the spirits of Collinwood here. <laughs> so um, so first of all, okay, Jeff, before anything else, tell us about your Collinwood tattoo. I would love to see the Collinwood tattoo. <laughs> oh, there it is. Wow. Look at that. That is amazing. Wow. That is so cool. Yeah. I love that you did it in, in grayscale too. So so what what inspired you to do the Collinwood tattoo and how long did it take to do that? Well, I've always wanted the Dark Shadows tattoo. I mean, for a long time. And it just I could never decide on what to get. I was thinking about getting Barnabas at one point, but I don't know. I just can decide on a picture of him that I liked. And um, so eventually I just decided to get Collinwood because I mean, not only do I love the show, but I also love the house as well. I attend regular private parties and events at the house every year. And I've become, like you said, uh, I've become a historian for the house. I've really studied the history of it, going back to uh, all of its previous incarnations and the entire construction of it. And so I figured it would just, it works on both levels. And plus it's helpful whenever I do tours of the house, with our private groups or um, just talking to anybody about the house, I can always reference the tattoo and point out specific rooms on there that um, I even had, um, there's an article written about my tattoo. I got it back in 2014, actually just, I think yesterday was the anniversary of getting the tattoo. Oh, awesome. Cause I wanted to have it before the, uh, the festival, the 2014 fest. Mm -hmm. And um, my cousin owns a tattoo shop and he did it for me all said and done. It was only about an hour and a half worth of work. Really? And that was wow. including him tracing the image 
because I provided him with a picture of it, mm-hmm. of what I wanted. And then he just kind of traced it and then laid it out on my arm. And yeah, it only took about an hour and a half. He's pretty good at what he does. Great. Yeah. I, I saw the article a while back on the Collinsport Historical Society. I think they did a piece yeah. on, on your tattoo. Um, and I've seen some, I mean, that is one of the best Dark Shadows tattoos I've ever seen. I've seen some really good ones, but that one is incredible at uh, just the amount of space it takes up on your arm. It's a perfect place for it too, because it's yeah. right across the arm. I've always wanted to do it. I have some tattoos and I I've always wanted to do a dark shadows tattoo, but I, I can never settle on what I want. I'm thinking of just doing like Barnabas's hand with the ring and the cane, you know, and maybe in the background, a little, you see some of Collinwood, uh, just yeah. maybe, I don't know. I haven't, I had, like I said, I haven't settled on it yet. So what got you into dark shadows in the first place? Like what brought you to dark shadows? Well, my mom and my grandma, and my great grandma were all fans of it back when I was originally on in the 60s. My mom used to watch it mostly with her grandmother because my grandmother worked all the time. But she watched it when she could. And then one day when I was just about seven, it was just before my seventh birthday because it would have been April. I was with my mom at our local video store and they had a couple of the tapes there. And she was like, oh, I used to watch that when I was a kid. And um, so we decided to rent it and we got him home and I just became hooked ever since we um, MPI used to release the four tapes a month and um, every month we'd go and rent all four of them from the store and uh, I'd get through all of them within about two days. And then I had to wait a whole another month for the next batch of tapes to come out. So, you know, everybody used to always talk about, you know, having to run home from school to watch it, but at least they got to watch it every day, essentially that I had to wait 28 days for the next batch to come out. But it just ever since then, I started um, collecting what I could, even as a little kid. Right around that time, my grandma got me the Dark Shadows Companion for Christmas because um, it was just right around the time they released it. And then I bought myself uh, one of the original LP vinyl soundtracks of the show. Found that at the store and one of the little old Marilyn Ross paperback books. I found that at a store and all this was before I was 10 years old. So that's, I've been collecting ever since I was a child. Wow. Yeah. So, wow. Year, years of, of collecting Dark Shadows merchandise. Yeah. Have Do you collect other things or was Dark Shadows like your primary focus for collecting? I mean, I mostly collect Dark Shadows. I'll pick up anything that I think looks cool or attached to another favorite show that I like, or I have some monster stuff. I'm really big into collecting different Lego sets as well. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a nerd. About no, that. my friend Meredith is yeah. a huge Lego fan. She has an epic Lego collection. I, yeah. I like to build them with my nephew. He's seven years old. Uh-huh. Um, I'll get him a set and I'll get myself a set. Yeah. And uh, we build together. And um, But I mean, I collect a lot of different stuff, but my main focus has always been Dark Shadows. Now, what are some of, uh, what are so, I knew you have some pieces with you. So why don't you show us, if you don't mind, some of the things you brought with you? Like, what are some of your favorite items and some some items that are kind of, somebody wants to get into collecting Dark Shadows? Like, what are some key things that they should look for? Well, you know, they've been releasing Dark Shadows merchandise I mean, since the show is on the air and they've continued releasing merchandise throughout the years. Um, But the biggest collectible that a lot of people always try to get um, was the Dark Shadows coffin set, the 131 disc coffin set. Yes. So you have one on your shelf behind you back there. Uh, Yes. Yeah. The centerpiece um, there. (laughs) Yeah, I've got mine, which is. uh, Look at that signed all over all talk. Can you tell us about that? Like, how, how did this come about? So I got it when it first came out and um, 
I, in 2016, I took my grandma to um, the Dark Shadows Festival with me. Um, actually, behind me on the wall, there is a picture of us at the banquet together at that festival. Mm-hmm. Um, it was her very first fest. I mean, she had been a fan since the show was on originally. Yeah. She was the one that couldn't watch it all the time back then because she worked. But she always watched it with me as a kid growing up. And um, at the 2016 festival, the final fest, I brought her with and she was in a wheelchair. She had she was an amputee. And um, so they had the long line with you you go through to get each one, meet each one of the actors at their tables. And so I was wheeling her in the chair. She was holding on to uh, it's a pretty good sized coffin. Um, She was holding on to her lap and she put it up on the table to have each actor sign and all the actors loved her they were all very nice to her and there's two actors on here that are no longer with us as well john carlin and uh, chris Pennock. yeah um you know they were at the fest and they, chris was a good friend that i ran his official fan group with him and we didn't always wow. agree on a lot of things he was kind of an out there kind of guy but i still loved him he was a he was a good guy though oh he was fantastic yeah, yeah. oh that's i didn't know you ran his fan group that's that's really cool i still do it it's yeah. it's still up Okay. Um, it's not as updated anymore ever since he passed away. But what a great memory to have with your, with your grandmother going around the festival and getting that uh, coffin yeah. set signed by all the actors who are there. That's really cool. What a, what a great item to have and a unique thing to have in your collection uh, yeah. for sure. Um, what are some what are some of the other items you have here? And I'll have to remember to describe for the audio uh, listeners. Yeah. Well, I've got um, I like to collect the original film material as well. Mm-hmm. Like I have a bunch of the original kinesthetics. Uh, scopes for the show which you know at the time besides doing the actual regular recording um for a lot of vintage television shows they had a camera pointed at a monitor to record a backup copy Mm -hmm. and for other markets they needed the kinescopes as well and a lot of these kinescopes were all that remain of some of the episodes like when you watch the show you'll be watching a bunch of color episodes and all of a sudden there's a low quality black and white episode that was from a kinescope that all that was remaining of uh the original episode oh look at that world vision enterprises the syndicator yeah yeah so world vision got all the rights to them and they bought all them up but it is an original oh the canister with the with the kinescope in it look at that abc yeah yeah does it say which episode that is on the outside Um, this one was number 76 76 oh so it's an early pre-barn this one yeah so besides having kinescopes from world vision i also have um at the 2012 festival, they were giving away a bunch of the actual World Vision master tapes from yeah, the show. Look at that. Wow. These, uh, this was episode 737. These were the ones that went to the Sci-Fi Channel. These, I see. W- when you watch the episodes on the Sci-Fi Channel, they were being played from these. Those are big, yeah, big tapes. A one-inch tape, a big, oh, oh it's, okay. It's oh, it's a real, it's a real, yeah. I see. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, whenever, that. if you ever watch the show on the Sci-Fi Channel, they're being played from these. I wonder if, because the show show was syndicated in South America and Latin countries, and they sent the episodes down there. And I know there's that one missing episode, the 1,219, I think. Yeah. I wonder if that's down there somewhere in some old TV station vault or something. That you know? would be awesome. It's not been found yet. <laughs> I actually have, I brought with me one of my Spanish kinescopes. Oh, great. That, <laughs> um, yeah. Like the Spanish language. Sombras tenebrosas. <laughs> but but, um, yeah, I love to collect all kinds of original film material. I even have a um, a 16 millimeter print from MGM 
called House of Dark Shadows. Oh, very it's cool. Dark. Yeah, it's big. It actually that's big. Yeah. It's got the MGM logo on it. They sent it out for distribution purposes or display purposes back. This one was from 1988. Wow. Where um, were you getting this? Was this at the festivals that you were picking this these one, up? This one was eBay. eBay. Um, okay. I got a lot of my stuff from eBay, other collectors. Um, just I pick it up wherever I can. Mm-hmm. Uh, my friend Chad, he was a big, big collector as well. And I wound up buying a lot of his collection from him. I see. Mm-hmm. Because um, he kind of, he got out of collecting and yeah. just moving around. It's hard to move all that stuff with you. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I understand that. Yeah. And, um, but I mean, going back with collecting, you know, MPI back in the day when, you know, pre really internet days, they used to send out the paper catalogs. Yes. Um, yep. Starting, I have a bunch of those. Yeah. Yeah. I've got all of them going back to 1989. Oh, wow. From the very beginning. Very cool. Yeah. That, uh, that was the first one. Yeah. I remember that one. Yeah. That, um, yeah. It's Barnabas in front of the clock. Yeah. This was from 1992. I, oh, yeah. I remember anticipating all these when I was a kid, getting them in the mail. Me every too. Because <laughs> I had signed up for uh, the Dark Shadows fan club when I was a kid mm-hmm. through MPI. And I had the little um, ID card. And sure. but that also signed me up. I started getting all the mailers from the festival and through MPI and all that. And But they had like little summaries in there, like the different releases that were coming out at the time. Yep. I remember uh, that. Yeah. Different tapes. Yeah. Uh, I was already, I was, I was probably my like late, or I was already going into my late teens, into my early twenties, but I remember being like super excited to get those catalogs in the mail. They just were really exciting. And of course, when they were going into the episodes that weren't syndicated uh, in the last year of the show, I mean, that was just really exciting to, to see those coming out on, home video yeah that i mean and it's nice because not only do they have um the dark shadow stuff in there but there are other releases from dan curtis in there as well yes like yeah. some of the other stuff that mpi put out like you know the different dan curtis um horror films his takes on them like dracula and frankenstein yeah. and Mm-hmm. Yeah, the macabre collection. I still have that yeah. somewhere. Yeah, that um, actually have. This is the original soundtrack LP that I got when I was a kid. Oh, look at that! Did it have the poster? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. cool. Um, I, I I probably have at least ten of these at home. No kidding! You know? Wow. Because <laughs> there was one day somebody on eBay was selling a lot that had um, a bunch of the soundtracks in it, some books in it. And so I got it all for like 50 bucks. I, mm-hmm. I couldn't pass it up. So I figured yeah. that I'd buy them and, you know, resell the extra ones. I'd find the ones that were in good condition. Because like, even like with the old paperback books, the Marilyn Ross ones, if I had one already, if I found another copy that was in better shape or an earlier printing of it, I'd have to get it. And right. so I have so many extra <laughs> paperbacks. And, you know, for a while with the paperbacks, the first three they had the art covers. Yes. Yep. Um, but then, because these were put out before Jonathan Ford even joined the show. Yeah, those were the first Dark Shadows collectibles, you know, were, right? Were the Ross novels, because yeah. they started with December 66, I think, was yeah. the, when the first one came out. Yeah. And then um, once he joined the show, they re-released them yep. with the... Uh, the photo covers, even though he wasn't in the first couple, they put out the, the photos with him on it just to tie it in with the show because he was so popular. But I mean, I've got, I still have some 
like really popular collectible items that um, that for some reason have gone up so much in value. Like even like this one, the Dark Shadows cookbook. Yes, that one it's is very expensive. Yeah, little paperback book or. Um, the cookbook is, and, and I was interviewing Sabrina Herman from Hermes Press, and she was, she said they really want to redo, uh, reissue the cookbook. So hopefully yeah. they will, because I, I think that's one that a lot of people would like to have in their collections, but it's kind of, some people get priced out on that one. Yeah. I've got, this is another one, Shadows oh, on the Wall. Shadows uh, on the Wall, yeah. I've got a couple of copies of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the the Art Wallace story bible for Dark Shadows. There's Pomegranate Press put that out, right? Um, this one was it. Oh, was it the festival? Or was it? Was, I'm pretty sure this was through the festival. Through the festival. Um, okay. It, it's just marked as Dan Curtis Productions. Yeah. But beyond that, I mean, those have gone up significantly. They were only just a. Um, it was there around ten dollars when they first came out originally. Yeah. Yep. And they can be ten times that now. Yeah. At least they go for on eBay. Some of the books. I mean. Um... They reissued, they did, um, was the, the History of Dark Shadows, the festival put out, but then they put out a slick version of the Dark Shadows the first year, mm-hmm. uh, which summarizes the first year of the show. And that book goes for hundreds of dollars I, I've seen on, on eBay. It was nice. I actually got that at the 2014 festival um, mm-hmm. in one of the uh, auctions that Jim yeah. was doing, Jim Pearson. Mm-hmm. And um, I think I paid $80 for it in the auction. Wow. And it, it almost never pops up. So, I mean, I, I couldn't pass it up but with the books now another one of my favorite newer items that's now unfortunately sold out is the book that i um helped bob Bissell and mark rainey yes our shadow pass which i know you also have a chapter in yes well. <laughs> yeah um, it's a great book i mean it's yeah. just so beautiful um the layout is gorgeous the content is amazing it's such a diverse cast of characters and there are yeah. all the different fans that wrote their memories and studio kids actors people involved with the show i mean it's just a celebration of the fandom of dark shadows i love that book i did um a lot of the photo retouching for because you know for a lot of the people that the fans that wrote stories for it they submitted photos of themselves on around the time that they first discovered the show and a lot of them weren't in the best of shape because they're older pictures so i did mm-hmm. a lot of touch up on those and then i did a layout on all, all the photo pages you know like yeah. these that looks um, great yeah our shadowed past i know is that sold out you said yeah. um currently? it's now yeah. officially sold out as of just recently oh, okay. it was only a limited run of about 300 books and yeah. um they've all just finally sold uh, out you guys did uh, such a great job on that and uh i hope i hope bob will you know for fans that may want and hopefully bob will revisit it at some point maybe do another run there's there's ideas that have been discussed if um not another print run we may do like kindle oh that's Um, a good idea that's a good idea but i mean nothing is set in stone right now still trying to get that all figured out and Mm -hmm. what would go into doing something like that um so you have a lot of the books you have the you have the comics too i would imagine the gold key comic books i have literally every comic dark shadows comic book that ever has ever been released Uh Um, all the different series all the different variant covers that Dynamite, when they started coming out with their newer oh, yeah. series, um, they love doing variant covers. That's yes. a whole popular <laughs> thing nowadays. So I have all of them. You know, there was the original series from Gold Key. Yeah. Oh, great. Um, yeah. This is number one with the poster intact oh. on the inside. Yeah, it's tough um, to get that one, with, especially with the poster. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, great. Innovation did their series based on the 1991 revival series. Yes. The painted um, comics. Yeah. And then some years back dynamite started releasing their series. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then they spun it off into dark shadows year one. Yeah. And then uh, dark shadows and Vampirella. Yes. <laughs> yes. I remember that. Yeah. 
but I have those too. There was a crossover that they did as well with uh, Kolchak, the Night Stalker. I have that one. Yeah. Yeah. Moonstone did that, right? Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've got in a box down here. Yeah. I'd love to see a new Dark Shadows comic book series come out at some point. Like it just seems like that that should be a recurring thing that they. It seems like like kind of every couple decades because, you know, you had the gold key originally Mm -hmm. and then the uh, innovation series in 91 into 92. Then um, the Dynamite series within the last 10 years. So, I mean. You never know. I mean, the problem is physical media, like print media like that is just yeah. it's tough nowadays. It's just slowly going away and being replaced by digital. It is. Know, yeah. Sadly, any yeah. kind of media, audio, visual, it's all being replaced. Yeah, it's true. And it's it's unfortunate. There's there's something about that tactile feeling of holding a book in your hand that's uh, you can't replicate with with digital. Uh, I, I know. Oh, what I mean. Yeah. You've seen a lot of print stuff. How about like I love. Uh, toys. I collect a lot of figures and toys and things like that, as you can see behind me here. Uh, are you a collector of those items as well, or primarily yeah. paper? That um, No, I do a mix of everything, whatever mm-hmm. I can get my hands on. The only things I really didn't ever really get into were like the old fanzines. Oh, yes. Um, mm-hmm. It's just, I'm not really, I can only, I only have so much storage space for all this stuff. And sure. um the fanzines that's kind of it starts to snowball between all the different ones that were, so were released that um and plus i've never I, they're not all fan fiction but i've never been a huge fan fiction person myself mm-hmm. um, yeah. I, I do love all the big finish releases mm-hmm. um the audio dramas and full cast and those have been I've really been loving those over the years. It's great um, to hear the actors reprising their roles and uh, definitely doing all that. new, uh, some of them new characters, new storylines. Mm-hmm. And it all started with uh, Return to Collinwood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what kind of started the whole ball running. The rolling balls don't run. Unless <laughs> <laughs> they have um, legs. <laughs> you know, I, I've always been a fan of, you know, I've got a lot of the audio as well. Oh, look at that. Oh, yeah. Me too. Yeah. All you, you have all the soundtracks. Oh yeah, every single one of them. I've got right. even the different versions, even the um, the ninety one yep. series soundtrack. It's hard to tell, but that's signed by Bob Colbert. Oh, very cool! Look at that. Yeah, yeah. I love autograph stuff too. I collect what I can. It, it's been an obsession since I was a kid. Mm. Um, it kind of waned a little bit in my teenage years, but back around two thousand four, when they started announcing all the um, the news for the WB pilot that they were working on. I, it just kind of rekindled my love for the show. You know, that was all actually really thanks to Stuart Manning, because, you know, he was at the time he was running Collinwood.net, um, which was like the big news page at the time, which eventually became the Dark Shadows news page. Yeah. Um, but that's where I was getting all of my all the updates on the series. I followed, you know, from the casting all the way through production and then it's eventually eventual failure and yeah. didn't get picked up. Up. Um, but right around that time is when it really started to rekindle my love of the show. It, I mean, I've always loved the show, but it just it kind of wasn't my main focus for several years, you know, throughout my teen years. But it just and ever since then, uh, I've just become obsessed with buying as much as I could. What are some of the grail items like uh, that? I know you've you ha- I remember you know you showed me the pictures of your uh, the Barnabas Ben Cooper costume, yeah. which is 
blows my mind that you had that. I know Wally Winger had that too, the voice actor, because yeah. and he has that in his collection. But I've, you know, that's so rare that that Ben Cooper, like on a level of rarity, that must be maybe the rarest Dark Shadows collectible, or, or at least one of the the Ben Cooper costume and the old Magic slates. The magic uh, slates, yeah. There were those two different really... Magic slates that were made, and mm-hmm. those are really holy grail items yeah. there's one that's been sitting on ebay for several years now the person's asking about a thousand dollars for um <laughs> yeah. it's a little high for something like that but um the ben and- cooper costume mm-hmm. i got for a decent deal um i mean relatively speaking and then um i listed it on on ebay last summer just to see what i would get for it and two people got into a big bidding war on it and bid it up to about 1450 bucks um wow. so i wow. mean yeah. The, the Ben Cooper costume and the Magic Slates are probably two of the biggest Holy Grails. And, and wait, how many are, years ago did you sell that one? The just Coop? last summer. Oh, it was last summer. I see. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That um, I was going out to uh, the East Coast to go stay at Seaview, you know, Collinwood. And it essentially paid for my whole trip. And I yeah. was there for two of us because I, I took my cousin with me uh-huh. for, for that one. No, it was really good. That uh, it was, it had the original box. There's probably only maybe five tops that I know of that still exist. Yeah. I mean, those old costumes were just those thin vinyl yeah. you know, shirts that uh, were made to be worn that one Halloween and then disposed of. Right. Um, and yeah, they the- have... Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, the, no, I mean, it's it's like you said, I've seen before the I started seeing like years ago in the zines and stuff. I remember people talking about and there was debate as to whether there was even the apron for the costume it was just some people thought it was just the mask alone. But then somebody turned up the whole the whole shebang and and then it confirmed, yes, this was an entire costume set, you know, uh, and this was pre-Internet. This was I remember back in the day. So those things are so, like you said, the vinyl costumes are so uh, fragile and they can get melted or all kinds of bad stuff can happen. I would be terrified almost to have one of those in my collection because as cool as it would be, if anything happened to it, I'd be like, oh no. Well, I had the, the shirt itself, the smock, um, it had been folded in this box, in, the, in its original box for probably decades. I mean, since yeah. it new so along the fold lines the creases it had developed a couple little um slits and everything in it but i mean it was still in good shape i had um intended i'm kind of um seeing if i could restore it some because there's techniques of kind of bringing it back to life a little bit and getting rid of the creases and and i had all the intentions of doing it but it just sat in i got a acrylic plastic protective case for it Oh, good. Um, yeah, to cool. keep it in. And um, it just sat in that for a good couple of years. It just, I never got around to uh, getting it all fixed up. I was planning on making like a shadow box with the costume and the mask. And oh, the box. that's cool. Yeah. But uh, it just never uh, came to fruition. That uh, So I just, I decided to uh, let it go. Yeah. Did you have the magic slates as well? Those, no, those have okay. been holy grail items for me. I, Purchased one at one point, um, but it turned out to be a reproduction version. Yeah, I see there's a reproduction on eBay and I, I've thought about getting it, but I always have the mixed feelings about repro stuff because it's like, well, it's cool to have, but it's not the real one, you know? Yeah. Well, they, it's the reproductions. I mean, they've been good for people who, you know, mm-hmm. couldn't get the original. Yeah. Um, good friend of mine actually used to make all of those back in the day. Oh, nice. Um, 
he made the magic slates. He, he was known for, he did a lot of the shirts and he asked for the Ben Cooper costume. He made um, a t-shirt version of the smock. Oh yes. I know exactly who you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. um, But yeah, no, it's the reproduction stuff is really cool. Um, But I mean, it's not the original. It'll never be the original. Somebody's doing reproductions of the uh, the gum bubble gum card boxes, like the boxes yeah. that the cards came in, which I think is a really cool idea because those boxes are really expensive yeah. too, tough to come by. Yeah, but yeah, no, that's that all. That stuff is all really cool. Um, you know, I even have there's a lot of fan made stuff too. Like I actually have a fan made um, Barnabas Pez. That's awesome! Oh, the Barnabas Pez. Look at that. It has the Basil Gogos famous yeah. monsters background, and then you got the Pez dispenser in there. Oh, that That's, is really cool. I actually met um, Basil Gogos a couple of years ago before he passed away. Oh, me and too. I had yeah. him sign my um, copy of Famous oh, Monsters. I love it. Um, but yeah, that's. Oh, look at that! Oh, that's great. Yeah. That is so cool. I love it. Yeah, I have. If you can see up there, I have the Barnabas uh, print that I got yeah. from Basil Gogos at Monster Bash one nice. year when he was there, and he signed it for me as well. Yeah, he was a really nice guy. Unfortunately, when I met him, it was getting towards the end, and he was physically not as capable. He he had a handler with him that actually helped him sign the autographs. Oh, so it, gosh, he was a really nice guy. He was nice to meet. It just physically, he just wasn't in the best of shape at the time. Right, right, yeah. Now, what about the the horror head pillows? Do you have those? Those are tough to get too. Yeah, those are other grail items that there's probably as many of those out there as uh, the Ben Cooper costumes. Wow. Um, I I know a couple people that have them, um, not the full sets, and also not with original boxes either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the original cardboard boxes for them are even harder to find than the actual the uh, the pillows. Yeah, there were three. There was Barnabas, the werewolf, and the witch, which didn't look anything like Angelique. I always thought that was odd that they made a, a witch for the Dark Shadows thing, but it wasn't Angelique. Yeah, the werewolf was kind of generic, too. The only one yeah. they actually got the license of is uh, Jonathan Frid for Barnabas. Yeah. Is that the most common one or or no? Or are they equally difficult? They're equally to get? as difficult to find. That um, that's another one that my friend also made reproductions of, and he also makes a couple of his own versions of different characters. As oh, well. cool! That cool. Um, he doesn't make any of this stuff anymore, but mm-hmm. um, but yeah, no, those were all really cool. But those are other holy grail items that are just impossible to find. But you know, there was even like the um, the different board games back in the day. Um, mm-hmm. There was the Dark Shadows board game and the uh, the Barnabas Collins board game. Yeah, those are great. Yeah. Yeah, this one. Barnabas yeah, Collins. that's a classic. Yeah, the Barnabas uh, Collins game. And even this one, there were different versions of it. There's the, there were the ones with the blue sides and there's one with the gray sides. Mm-hmm. So it just, collectors like myself that are completist, it just, it drives, you know, it drives me nuts because I have to have it all. And, right, right. <laughs> but, um, but with the, the games aren't, really that uncommon you can find them fairly cheap the problem mm-hmm. is finding them with the original little plastic fangs that used to come with them yes those, yep. those fangs alone can drastically drive up the uh the value of the game yeah um and all, you know they also did things like uh the jigsaw puzzles yes yep uh, mm-hmm. but i i really like the artwork that they had on these yeah, Barnabas in the cemetery with a dog, yeah. and then uh, they had yeah, the one I, in like the tomb crypt kind of. Yeah, with the lady vampire, yeah. and he's walking like showing off the. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That one never really. Uh, I mean, the art was really cool on that one. I definitely like the art on the white one better. Yes. 
but I mean, you know, there's some autographs out there that uh, are, you know, really hard to obtain. I've got um, a couple of years ago, I purchased from Matthew Hall, Grayson Hall's son, um, one of her original uh, parasols. She used to love oh. these old kind of Asian style parasols. She actually picked up the habit when uh, she was filming Night of the Iguana. I was talking to her, her son Matt about it. Yeah. And just ever since then, she bought up as many as she could. And I actually have one of her original ones. Oh, wow. And um, along with it, as part of the certificate of authenticity, he included a uh, an original canceled check that she had written somebody. No um, kidding. Signed with her actual real name, Shirley Grossman. Oh, wow. That's so cool. Wow. That's yeah. a rarity. That's just yeah. like such a unique thing to have. Wow. By the time this airs, you know, the, this episode will have aired. I had Steve Shutt and RJ Jameson on who wrote Grayson's biography. And she had, as she was talking, she pulled out a pair of gloves and started wringing the gloves. And it's, they were actually Grayson's gloves that she got. I was like, oh my God, that's so cool. <laughs> I can picture her pulling them off. Yes. <laughs> finger by finger. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any uh, Thayer David signed stuff? Thayer is one that I don't have. I, I wish mm-hmm. I had, but I don't have. You know, along the years, some of the actors wrote biographies and bo- different um, autobiographies along with um, fictional books as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that all kind of really started with uh, Joan Bennett with uh, the Bennett Playbill. Yes. Which, um, she had a hand in putting together. I actually have this copy is signed by her. She gave it to a good friend of hers. Oh, look um, at that. So that it's it's hard to tell, but um, yeah. wrote uh, Eric. So very nice to know you because you are too, Joan. <laughs> and, um, so I've got a couple of her autographs, but I like this yeah. one because you yeah. know it's just Joan signed. It's not Joan <laughs> Bennett. It wasn't like a formal. That's so cool. Yeah, it was like a personal inscription. I have her autograph too. I wrote when I was in sixth grade. Uh, my sixth grade teacher he had a project where he'd have students write to famous people because he collected autographs. So it was like you'd learn. To write a letter to someone, but you would ask for two autographs. One was for his collection and one is for your collection. So I wrote to Joan Bennett and I got her autograph when I was in sixth grade. So I have that still. Yeah. Yeah. She passed away when I was very young. So Mm -hmm. I never had a chance to meet her. Like I said, I've been a fan since I was a little kid, but I didn't start attending the festivals until 2012. That was my first fest. Before then, it just didn't work out or wasn't financially feasible at the time, Mm -hmm. or I was too young. So you know, it was a shame, though, because I was looking forward to meeting Jonathan Fred. Yeah. And um, it was going to be my first fest. And, you know, it was in June of 2012. And, you know, he passed away April 14th. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I never got a chance to meet him. You know, he was one of my heroes ever since I was a little kid. Yeah. And um, it's a shame. But I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. I'm so yeah. sorry. You never, never got the chance. I, don't, I only got I went to two festivals and I believe he was at both, but I didn't meet him at the festival. I didn't go to the autograph lines. I met him at his one of his one man shows that he did at Brown University. This was I think it was 91, 90 or 91. And he performed up this way at Brown University. I got to meet him and I gave him as a gift, like two Shakespeare plays that were illustrated. And my mom helped me put a ribbon on everything. And he was so charming and so sweet, you know, when, uh, when I got to meet him. So that was the one time I got to meet Jonathan Fred. But there are a lot of the actors I haven't met. I haven't met. I interviewed David Selby for this podcast, but I never got to to meet him in, in person. He's a really nice guy. He was, yeah. um, I've met him a couple of times. He was very nice to my grandma when mm-hmm. uh, he met her. They chatted for a little bit. You know, Lara. Um, oh, yeah. Lara was always one of my, my grandma's favorites. 
And, you know, I brought her to the festival. And at the time, you know, a lot of the actors would come around the tables to um, take pictures with the um, the fans and everything. Mm-hmm. But at the time, Laura wasn't doing that. You had to go behind her the table to get a picture with her. And um, my grandma in her chair couldn't get back there. And it, it, it's it stunk because, I mean, she was like the main person that my grandma was there to see. She loved Lara. But later on in the lobby, I had met and talked to Lara multiple times over the years. So Lara was sitting there talking to, uh, I think she was with her husband, Jim, at the time. Mm-hmm. And we just waited a little lull in their conversation. My grandma asked her if she can get a picture with her. So she uh, finally got a picture with Laura. Oh, that's great. Oh, I'm glad she got to, to do that. Yeah, she was so excited about that. But I mean, I've it's weird because, you know, growing up as a kid, you watch the show on TV and um, you never really think, you know, down the road, you're going to get to know some of the actors from the show and I've actually become good friends with a couple of the actors and, and it just, I've gotten to the point, you know, I've been thanked in a couple of different dark shadows productions. Um, like the remembering Jonathan Frid book and yeah. the um, master of Collinwood DVD mm-hmm. release. Um, Cause I actually, another, I had a one of a kind commercial. It was a, um, an original 16 millimeter, one minute commercial promoting the show oh wow um and it was the it's the only known footage of alexandra's vicky running across the lawn of Collinwood. oh okay yeah there there's a lot of still image there's tons of still images of it that have been used over the years uh, for different promotional items but there was never the actual film footage and um the one day i, I have a saved search on ebay for everything dark shadows and um one day a lot of a bunch of little tiny reels between 30 second and one minute long popped up on there just in the script in the list of the description just said dark shadows yeah so it was like 20 25 bucks for the whole lot so i just bought the whole thing and uh not even knowing what i was getting and i got it and i opened it up and i'm holding it up to the light and everything and i see alexander running across the lawn and immediately i knew that i had something special yeah um, big time wow so I contacted Jim Pearson and we were talking about it and um, he offered to pay to ship it to him overnight in California to have it um, digitally converted and cleaned up and everything. And he wound up using it in the um, the Master of Dark Shadows yeah. documentary about Dan Curtis. Twice, actually. There was a couple clips of it in the documentary itself. And in the bonus feature, they had the full commercial. Oh, it's that great I, that you shared it. You know, because some fans, I've encountered fans, not in Dark Shadows fandoms, but in fandom, but in other fandoms where they'll get something like that and they'll sit on it. Like they won't, yeah. they won't share it, which I, that makes me really sad because part of the joy is for me is sharing something like that, you know. Unfortunately, I never got the, the actual film back. Oh, and, uh, hey, Jim, Jim, if you're listening, so yeah. <laughs> Jeff needs yeah. that that back. <laughs> it, he knows we emailed back and forth many times over the years. And it just it is what it is at this point. Yeah. Um, he sent me a DVD of it when he had it converted. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never got the original reel back. Oh, that's that's not cool. I guess it's like that's yours. You you, you bought that, you know, um, it, there, it's been there, a good five years now. So. 
Yeah, I get on his case again about that. There's, there's, uh, it's amazing that things like that turn up, which gives me hope that more so, like just within the year that I did this podcast, I'm sure you saw, you know, uh, Rob Sacconi, who I will forever be grateful for, reached out to me and it turned out his uncle was a cameraman on Dark Shadows. And he said, Oh, I have these, these pictures that he took. Are you interested in them? I said, Yeah, "Uh, yeah, absolutely. So (laughs) I put them up on the blog and they were these rare, never before seen production photos during uh that they that he took pictures of during that last year of the show which is really amazing that that exists and it gives me hope that things like one thing i'd love to find is the jonathan frid on bozo the clown like he was on a couple of yeah. bozos i think a couple of different shows lo- local shows when he was doing those promotional tours and there are pictures of him with bozo the clown and they're so like they even show up in just memes online all the yeah. time and stuff and like i'd love Somewhere that footage might exist because I found um, was hosting my uh, horror movie show here in uh, Massachusetts. Uh, There was a horror host in the early 70s named Simon. He hosted Simon Sanctorum. And I found out, you know, that he was on out of uh, Channel 5 here in the early 70s. And I called the station and said, oh, we don't we don't have any of that. That we don't have any of that footage. But I started putting out the feelers and I found his wife, his widow. He passed away, sadly, but she runs a theater up in New Hampshire. And she said, oh, yeah, I have some old tapes in the attic. I asked if I could borrow them. She said, sure. So there were, you know, three and three quarter inch tapes and she let me borrow them. I got them transferred and there was Simon. She had him in, in the tape in the attic, you know, and then she told me about the, his, the producer of the show who had more footage in his basement. Uh, so it's just, you know, nice. contacting the right people sometimes like a family member of the person who played Bozo. Maybe, maybe they have some tapes. Well, you know, um, I only know the one appearance. There's a lot, there's a bunch of different pictures from the appearance. It was in Flint, Michigan. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. was the one that he was on. And, um, but I only know of the one appearance, all the pictures that are out there, I'm pretty sure are just from the one show. Okay. Um, I was talking I've to got- Mario Lear. She sent me, she sent me like a list of some of those appearance. I got to look at that. Maybe it was just the one Bozo and one other like TV local show that yeah. kids show or something that he did. Just cutting in here. I double checked the information from Mario Leary. And uh, during the five day 10 city tour, Jonathan Fred was just on one Bozo show in Flint, Michigan on WJRT TV on May 23rd, 1968. And then he was on another children's show, Claire and Cole. Coco in Washington, D.C. at WMAL-TV on May 24th, 1968. I also co-admin the uh, official Jonathan Fred fan group. Yes, yeah, yeah. With uh, Nancy Kersey. And um, it's funny, I, I never met the man, but I know so much about him. Yeah, yeah. um, But, you know, I admin a bunch of groups on Facebook. Um, I started the collectors group just because I wanted to give fans a place to, uh, you know, share their collection, buy and sell different items and um, just kind of its own little niche of Facebook just to uh, give people that place. You know, Facebook has their marketplace section on there. But nobody really searches that for Dark Shadows stuff. But I wanted to give, like, just its own place just to buy and sell or just to show off items yeah. of your collection on there. But I also, I mean, for the last 11 years now, I've been um, almost 12. 
one of the main admins of another group called Dark Shadows for All on uh, Facebook. Yeah. And I, I co-admin a bunch of other groups. Um, I, I know Facebook adminning very well. So a lot of people always ask me to help them out with uh, their groups. Like just recently, I um, became an admin of another large group uh, that Dark Shadows, the old house. It's just that one biggest issue with a lot of Facebook groups are like the fake accounts and the spam right. and, all that, and people trying to scam people. So I, I become very good at weeding all those people out. Like when I joined that last group, the old house is the admin. I went through the, the, uh, the follower list on there and just went on a massive deleting spree of all the obviously fake accounts. I probably knocked off a good three or 400 people. Wow. That's a lot. Well, because the group itself has somewhere, I think, just over 13,000 members. And it just it, it was getting a little too overwhelming for the other admin. So right. I stepped in and I set up some parameters to make it a lot harder for the fake accounts to uh, join. Yeah, no, that's great. And there's some great Facebook group groups. With regard to the Dark Shadows Collector group, there's so many great pictures and things that I see people post on there, things that are just really unique and fun, like fan-made items too. You see show up on there, like your, your Pez dispenser, things like that are really fun to see. I have some custom stuff back here that I, I've posted pictures of too. It's fun to get some unique uh, items like that. But there's one uh, official item that's also super rare that I have not ever seen in person. And that's the uh, the watch. It was the, the Edward Edward Robert, Roberts and Company watch. I have the, the poster that was a... Yeah. Wallace McBride did that for Unlovely Frankenstein, but that artwork from that vintage poster was on that watch. Like, did you have you ever seen that, or is that yeah. do you know anybody who's had that? That um, I know, I know someone who's had it. I never got one myself. My friend that made all the reproduction stuff. He also made a bunch of uh, Dark Shadows watches mm-hmm. as well, including with that artwork and all that. But he always made sure to make mark on there that there are reproductions that yeah. the. Uh, and there, occasionally some of the stuff will pop up on eBay and people trying to sell it as the real thing when it's very clearly not. Um, but the watch itself, I actually had that original poster of that. Oh, cool. Um, the glow in the dark poster. Yeah. Um, but I, I've never had the watch itself. I, I wish, but um, there are just some items that have just eluded me over the years. That, that uh, one is yeah. tough. That's that's a very rare item, too. That one's yeah. up there in terms of like the scarcity for, for something. Yeah. yeah. The original... Um, Barnabas rings that they released um, yeah. back in the 60s. There were two different versions of them, of the Onyx ring. There's one that had an ornate band, one that had a plain band. Mm-hmm. I had the plain band version. The ornate one goes for even more. You wow. could probably, for the, even just a plain band version, you could probably get anywhere between 700 and 800 bucks for. Wow. Um, the ornate one I've seen sell for at least $1,000. Whoa. That, wow. um, you know, over the years, the MPI released a version of the yep. ring. And then um, back around 2012, when the uh, Johnny Depp Tim Burton movie came out, there was a whole big push for new Dark Shadows merchandise. And actually, the, the coffin set was part of that. And it was a, the lunchbox. No, I'm trying to think it was either a lope. Yeah, it was the lope that did it. Um, they did a costume set. You know, they made, oh yes, uh, yep. They did the the cape. They did a wig, the cane, the, the rings, yeah, and the fangs. Um, the cane looked cool for pictures, but it was just very cheap, lightweight plastic kind of Halloween costume. Yep. I mean, it was all. It wasn't all the highest quality, but it was some cool stuff. But the ring itself, even that little ring, which sold originally for about ten bucks, is selling for five, six times that now. Sometimes even more. Wow. 
Wow. Yeah. I have some of those elope. I have the fangs and, uh, and the wig back yeah. here and uh, in the display. I, I didn't pick up the rest of it. I have the re- repro ring from MPI uh, in the little case. Um, yeah. I, I've seen the original one on eBay once in a great while. And then, like you said, I mean, that goes for big bucks, the, the original Barnabas ring for sure. And Joseph's oh, music box too. That one goes for a lot too. Oh yeah. That, um, especially the original version, which I had, I had uh, Catherine sign the, uh, the cardboard out box for it uh, last year. Oh, very uh, cool. Because I was with her in uh, Essex, Connecticut. Mm. It was her very first time visiting Essex. She did not take part in any of the early on-location filming for the show in either Essex, Connecticut or Newport, Rhode Island. And it's funny, I asked her, because, you know, she was in those early episodes from the very beginning. Sure. But she did not take part in any of the filming, and she has no idea why to this day that she was never asked to do it. So she had never visited her character's home or, you know, work. She yes, <laughs> Collinsport Cottage or to the, the Collinsport Inn. Yeah. So I had the privilege um, of giving her a tour of some of those locations. Oh, that's Cause, really cool. Because, you know, besides, you know, collecting Dark Shadows items, I'm also uh, the filming locations that what are what I love. I love on my um, personal Facebook page and in um, my Dark Shadows for All group, I have photo albums on there. I like to do a lot of the then and now photography. Mm-hmm. I'll take still images from the show or the movies or promotional images and you know do the the now version of the picture because i visited with the exception of graystone mansion in california basically every dark shadows filming location oh um, great yeah on the east coast that um, i haven't been to any of the 91 series ones but that's what i love to collect are the images I've always been a filming location nerd. I love, even around Chicago here, like I do a lot of the um, the John Hughes movies. And I love, you know, going to all those filming locations. But it was nice being able to take Catherine to, uh, you know, the Evans Cottage and uh, the Collinsport Inn. We went to um, the um, Collinsport Jail, the police station, which oh, cool. was the, um, the Essex, Connecticut post office. And we even took her behind the Evans um, Cottage there's actually a big cemetery back there, a very old cemetery. And directly behind the cottage, there are a couple of graves that are, um, it was Barnabas Bates was uh, oh, oh. In the grave, and they're very old graves. It's not, if I remember right, the um, the story behind how they came up with the name for Barnabas was a different cemetery. Yeah. But I always just found it very coincidental that uh, right behind the Evans Cottage, because the cottage literally backs right up to the cemetery, are a couple of graves marked Barnabas, or the one, the man and his son. And um, we actually got a couple of pictures of Catherine standing with the Barnabas graves. That was really cool. That's that's great. A friend of mine wrote an article uh, about he does a show tim weisberg does a show called spooky south coast and he he did an article speculating that it was a grave in dartmouth massachusetts but i didn't think they went over to, they were in newport and and in connecticut but i don't think they went down came down to, to dartmouth but robert costello but i don't i don't know you know it's you know by the time um by the time jonathan Fritt actually joined the show and they came up with the whole character of barnabas they were slowly phasing um out the filming locations yeah. most of the stuff had already been done already throughout 19 early 1966 yeah so most of which even before the show even started um they went on location mm-hmm. like the seaview terrace in newport um and filmed all those promotional shots with alexandra molka vicky mm-hmm. and david hennessy and louis edmonds um in and around the property um, and on the uh, the beach behind, there's a lot of famous images um, that were taken around there. 
you know, actually, I, I there's one thing that I, I do know that I was the first person to discover location wise was the actual location of Widow's Hill. There were oh. a lot of people who speculated on which cliff it was over the years. The so there were three different locations used for Widow's Hill. There was the the shot from the side of Vicky standing on top of it. There's yeah. the shot looking down at the rocks below, and the shot looking up when you see Vicky, and then Roger walks up behind her. Um, yeah. Those were three different locations that they used. The okay. only one I haven't been able to find is the location looking down. Right. That would be tough. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the, it was all filmed along the cliff walk in Newport, Rhode Island. Yep. And um, there's like the one shot of the dead Bill Malloy laying on the rocks down yeah. below. Um, that, that shot I've not been able to figure out because there's a lot of cliffs. And back in the 80s, the Army Corps of Engineers, um, worked with Newport to redo a lot of the uh, the coastline and shore it all up against erosion. So the cliff, like the cliff that they used for the side view of Widow's Hill, it looks pretty different nowadays. There's these giant boulders on each side that weren't there back in the 60s. But even before I went to Newport for the first time, I was comparing, I, I was looking at images all along the coastline and yeah. uh, the cliff walk that I, every image I could find online of, um, the cliff walk and trying to look at every cliff and match them up with pictures from the show. Yeah. Oh, and wow. I, I found the one that I figured out was it. And when I went to Newport for the first time, it was very clearly, it was that cliff. I, I lined up every crevice, little nook and cranny that I could. Oh, that's amazing that you did that. Oh, I'd love to. I, I went, I've been on the cliff walk several times, but I wasn't ever sure like which was yeah. the specific one. So I'd love to, to see that uh, if I'm, if I'm uh, up there. If you're got downtown, I'd love to see yeah. that one. Did you find, um, there are a couple I'm curious about if you've ever figured out what they are. Um, the, the still image they use for Eagle Hill Cemetery. Any any idea of which one so that is? I, I have a feeling that part of it was um, parts of Sleepy Hollow. Oh, um, cool. Okay. Because, I mean, they were there at the time. They were in the area for some early filming, even for the show. Because, uh-huh. you know, those first couple episodes of the show, they did some filming at Lindhurst, which mm-hmm. is right down from Sleepy Hollow. The stable area of Lindhurst was used as the garages for and the original exterior of Matthew Morgan's cottage on okay. the show. Yeah. Um, you know, Vicky walks up to the cottage and she's coming out. She sees Burke messing with Rod. Yeah, that was the other one I was going to ask. It was yeah. Matthew Morgan's cottage. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's all part of the stable complex at Lindhurst. And then whenever you see them driving on the show, that's all the roads at Lindhurst. And actually, while they were filming that stuff, that's how Dan Curtis discovered the old house. If it wasn't for Dan Curtis deciding to take a smoke break and walk through the woods, <laughs> um, he came across uh, some ab- old abandoned mansion buried in the woods. And it t- that's what they wound up using as the old house on the show. Yeah. He found a way to write that into the series. And just by chance, you know, him taking a smoke break, he just that created one of the you know, biggest yeah. storylines on the show and became the, the houses themselves are characters. Yes. I mean, oh, the, for sure. Sea View Terrace is Colin, what appeared in literally all 1,225 episodes of the show. Yeah. That yeah. More than any actor on the show, more than anybody. Um, so I think that's part of another reason why I got the tattoo. Cause I mean, the house itself is the main character of the series. For sure. Oh, it's yeah. iconic. And uh, yeah. I think that's, I thought that was a kind of a, a miss in the 91 series was that the house, it was too almost generic looking compared see if you has such character to it. It's yeah. just so you take instant recognition. It's like that house is just very striking. You know, uh, I'm not saying Greystone is, is a beautiful house, but it's just not, doesn't have that yeah. look to it, which is why I'm glad in the 2012 film uh, they did actually 
the house that mm. they used for that did look like it had that vibe to it anyway. So it, it, it was not exactly, but it was evocative, the exterior with the tower and, and all of that. Because, you know, that house didn't actually, the one for the 2012 movie didn't actually exist. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. They built the set as the first level, and then they had a one-third scale miniature of the house that they used for most of the shots of the house that you see in the movie are of the miniature. Yeah. And I actually have in my collection the the front doors for that miniature. No kidding. Um, wow. Yeah, they're about two and a half feet tall um and they're based on the um the actual full-size doors uh-huh. um, but if you look at pictures of the actual i use the word miniature very loosely because i mean the thing is 33 the whole model is 33 feet tall Whoa. and you see like full-grown men walking in front of it and yeah. it's good size but yeah i've got the actual doors from that model thankfully because you know um in in the movie they burnt the house burns right but uh for for some reason those doors didn't burn or weren't on the model um but they're clearly the doors they've got the little the knockers on them how did you get that shipped to the doors i mean it was it actually came from uh london there's a company called prop store they uh they deal in um, a lot of original movie and tv show props and everything mm-hmm. and they've had a uh, a bunch of the uh props and stuff from uh the 2012 movie I see. Um, they had his coffin in there and they had his cane wow um those went up for auction but they also have items that they just sell outright as well yeah and they had the doors for sale on there so weren't that cheap but uh it's one of the most expensive parts of my collection, but I've got the actual doors. They're put away right now because I'm working on making a um, nice shadow box display for them. Oh, very um, cool. Very cool. There are things I would love to see made in terms of like official Dark Shadows merchandise. Um, I know they did, uh, Spectre Toys did the, the Amigo style figures and Majestic Studios did the 12-inch figures. Um, and which I do, you have behind you there. I do have them. Yeah. yeah. And those are those are going for big bucks now too. I'm like, that didn't, that was not even that old, but they're yeah. they're going for big bucks. Um, I like the 1795 Majestic Barnabas. I'd like to see, I don't know why Spectre Toys gave Barnabas a brown cloak. I always thought that was kind of an odd. Uh, I was like, oh, yeah. I probably should be black, you know. Um, but I'd love to see new Dark Shadows figures made. That's like one, any kind. Like I've tried to pitch to Super Seven because I do some work for them to do like reaction Dark Shadows, like they did with the Universal Monsters and a lot of other things. And um, Amigo, I would love to see them do it. I'd love to see NECA do like Ultimate Dark Shadows. I mean, I doubt that will happen, but it would be great to see more of that. More a couple uh, companies that do limited run stuff, like uh, Brent's Toys. Yeah, oh, he's uh, great. Or Brent's yeah. Dolls, Dolls. Brent's Dolls, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he made a uh, Barnabas for somebody one time. There's a picture yeah. on the site. It looks very much like the, um, the Spectre. Yeah, it does. Um, Yeah. But uh, I'm sure he'd be able to make more, but they'd all be very limited run kind of stuff. There was another guy, um, the clay guy. Um, oh yes, a yeah. lot of conventions and stuff. He makes little clay models. Uh, he's got um, Barnabas, Quentin, Angelique, Julia. Yeah, I think he does a Josette as well. He never has the Barnabas ones anymore. I see him at a bunch of the kind of horror conventions that I go to, and he, yeah. he, he hasn't made a Barnabas one in a long time. Yeah, um, 
but um, I think Brent Stiles would be a good one to me. Yeah, I would like to see more. Um, just there's so much stuff that they like um, they've never done, uh, like Julia's amulet, you know, the, to hypnotize. I could see MPI doing something like that. Um, but, you know, I see things for like, oh, I'm like, oh, there's a well, whatever Doctor Who pinball machine or Star Trek pinball machine. I'd love to see, even though I'm not a pinball fan, a friend of mine is a huge pinball fanatic. I'm like, oh, Dark Shadows pinball machine would be really fun to see mm-hmm. something like that. Just, I, I don't know, uh, stuff that's, uh, they did the Viewmaster reels back in the day, but just fun kind of um, new versions of, of of things like that would be would be really fun. You know, MPI um, for a long time they would slap Dark Shadows on everything. Yeah, had, um, yes. Dark Shadows boxers, underwear. Yes, yep. Uh, I mean, they made all kinds of stuff. But nowadays, it's really it would take another kind of major release of something Dark Shadows, like if uh, the Dark Shadows reincarnation ever comes to fruition. Um, yeah. the new series that mark is working on yeah um there'll probably be a push for some more items then you know like around 2012 when the debt movie came out we got a lot of new uh merchandise around then sure Not even, yeah mostly related to the original series i mean that's what kind of inspired the coffin set mm-hmm. and you know warner brothers finally released the uh, house of night of dark shadows on dvd and blu-ray uh, i'd love to see the restored version of the night of dark shadows yeah. released that would be great you know it's mostly done i've talked to darren gross about it it's yeah. essentially done mm-hmm. just warner brothers has no interest in putting it out it's, it sucks i mean it's so it's there it's like why like with something like shutter for example like they have all these streaming channels shutter would be a good like halloween premiere of the full version of night of dark shadows exclusively on shutter why not what do they have to lose by doing that i mean it would be just really cool to uh i have to get darren on here at some point to, to chat i keep I've been saying that for like a year yeah. i gotta get there i gotta reach i'm friends with him on facebook i just have to reach out to yeah, him he, he's a really good guy and you know, he used to run the Night of Dark Shadows restoration website. Yes, yeah. Any updates he had. I remember when he finally found that full version of the movie without audio. Um, that was like huge news at the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at this point, all you really need is just a sound alike for Grayson yeah. um, to come in and do it. I think that I, I had Ansel Farage on here. I think that's yeah. already squared away. That's I think that's yeah. already they already got that. So, yeah, I just it's just a matter of I hope somebody put, picks it up. Another thing I'd like to see, I had um, Stephen D. Sullivan on here and we talked about uh, the uh, Dark Shadows role playing game because he worked yeah. on at TSR. And that would be fun. They've done role playing games for all of this other stuff like why not? Why not a Dark Shadows one? You know, that would be amazing. Is there any like yeah. merchandise that you would like to see made, like sort of something that doesn't exist or that you'd like to see made or reissued from the past or, or anything like you know, that? It's, you know, they've released so much stuff with Dark Shadows over the years. What The one cool thing that would have been done, which I'm surprised they didn't do kind of back in the day, like a, a Dark Shadows video game. Yes. But, uh, yeah. You know, even like in the 80s when they were putting out any kind of Nintendo or Atari games that tie in with any of, I mean, they did one for Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street, any kind of title. The games weren't always the best, but it would have been cool to have something like they that. They even did an Uncle Fester video game or yeah. Fester's Quest. I'm like, I'm not a big video game, but I played Atari when I was a kid and, and Nintendo too. Uh, I think my sister had like a Super Nintendo. I played that a little bit, but, you know, but I would be, da- if they ever made like a, you know, whatever, uh, PlayStation Dark Shadows. Yeah. 
game or whatever. Like I would go buy a PlayStation just to play that Dark Shadows game. I would be all in for that. Like uh, one of those, like those Arkham Asylum Batman games where he goes all over. Like, can you imagine like in Collinsport and there's all these supernatural things going on? I mean, what would be nice, um, more of those figures though, like from a company like Hot Toys. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Like to do those high end kind those of uh, those large kind of figures. I think they could re- really do them justice. They're not the cheapest in the world, but um, I think they could really make really nice figures. They would uh, definitely nail the likeness. Like a lot. I think for some reason, I, some of the figures, the the likenesses are not not entirely. There's something weird about the off about them or something. But it's something like Hot Toys would be. They probably just nail it completely. Yeah. yeah. For sure. uh, Yeah, no, that would be cool. Something like that. I would love to have just kind of a really nice, tall, you know, solid figure of that. One thing we forgot to mention were the MPC model kits, which were released in the 60s and then reissued at least a couple of times since then. Uh, And new model kits of different characters would also be really fun. I mean, the older ones are um, the kind of Mego style ones or... I mean, they're all cool and everything. And, you know, Spectre, yeah. they had that second line that they were going to be doing, I but they know. went out of business. So only, sad. Yeah, those, those would be holy grail, would be the uh, the prototypes of those figures that they made. Because they did the Quentin, the um, Josette, and um, the Willie. Yeah, and Adam, too. Well, yeah, Adam, they did the one. Yeah. yeah. I wrote to Rick Rick Fairs at around that time, and he was also, he wrote back to me, and he said, oh, we're, I'm also you know, planning a Collinwood playset for the figures. Can you imagine? That would have been amazing. I'm sure it probably would have been like one of those Mego, you know, yeah. vinyl or whatever. I would have taken it. That's totally. I love something like that. That um, yeah. it's another thing that I want to do. Um, there have been people that have made, you know, large scale replicas of uh, Collinwood of Seaview Terrace, like models of them. Yes, yeah, those that, would be um, cool to have. Yeah. My down the road sometime, you know, being the Lego nerd that I am, I would love to make a, a Lego reproduction of uh, Collinwood. Yes. That yes. Um, it wouldn't be the cheapest thing in the world to do because buying all those pieces can really add up, but it would be really cool. That would be yeah. amazing. You should totally do that someday. If you, you uh, bring it to bring it to see if you and display it. Like. <laughs> You know, there's um, there's a home in Pennsylvania. The guy who built it, a giant home, is understatement. It's a big mansion, really oh, yes. heavily inspired by Seaview. That um, there was that one news piece um, mm-hmm. several years ago, and he wound up adding a whole other part onto the house since then. Really? Um, yeah, I know it was for sale within the last couple of years, but I looked recently and it's off the market now. But it's okay. But it's so nice, and it's very heavily inspired by Seaview Terrace. Have you been there in person? I'm not in person, um, but uh, when it was for sale on the Realtor's website, they had a virtual walkthrough of the entire house. Yep. And so I I literally spent hours just going through this entire house. He had his one dining room is heavily inspired by the dining room at Lindhurst, the one kind of foyer area. He designed to look like the foyer set of Collinwood. Um, there, he was obviously a very big Dark Shadows fan. Yeah, for sure. His, um, one living room, there's a painting of himself on the wall dressed up like Barnabas Collins. And, <laughs> yeah, but, this house is amazing. I mean, I've seen, I saw the news. For those who are listening haven't seen it. It's a fan, a Dark Shadows fan, and he has a mansion that looks like I mean, he really went all out with yeah. as it looks like Seaview Terrace. I mean, it's amazing. It's a little, is it small? It must be smaller than Seaview, I would imagine. No, or- it's technically smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Seaview is the 
fifth largest mansion in all of New England mm-hmm. and the largest pr- private residence in New England. Yeah. Because um, the other mansions in Newport are all owned by the Preservation Society or privately owned. But Seaview is privately owned. But it is the largest private residence. And it's, I mean, some, something like the Newport Preservation Society, maybe they would intervene in terms of, you know, as we know, the house is for sale. Uh, and it would be really uh, tragic if they tore it down or just, you know, changed it in some way. Or just having it restored as as one of the Newport mansions would be, uh, and I, I think an, a better situation uh, versus the alternative, you know. Yeah, it's just actually, um, it's technically off of the market right now. Denise, the owner, had to take it off because HBO was um, in Newport. They were just in there recently, and they're going to be back in uh, September. They're working on the second season of their show, uh, The Gilded Age. Okay. And um, they, they're not doing any filming at Seaview, but um, they're using the house as the base camp and production and all that, and makeup yeah. and wardrobe and I see. all that. So they're going to be there like six weeks at a time, and she doesn't want to take the chance of it selling while she, she has the contract with HBO. So mm-hmm. it's probably going to wind up going back on the market towards the end of the year. Let's keep our fingers crossed for the best for all parties involved. Um, One other question I have that sprang to mind. A lot of people ask me about the portraits on the show. And I know the original Barnabas portrait was was stolen during the actual production of the show, but, and then they replaced it with a, with a, a replica or a different version. So if you look at it, you can see that it's certainly not exactly the same. Um, a, do you know who who painted those paintings, and do are there any of the other ones that survived from the show? Like I think the Quentin, the old Quentin is. So I actually a couple of years ago had the chance to buy the old Quentin. So there, there was only ever the one Quentin painting done. They just added um, the old age kind of makeup onto yeah oh, i wondered about that like i wondered if the original one was somewhere okay so they just aged the original oh i see you know, and most of them are all just painted by um abc's um they're kind of artists that they had on staff like on the back of the actual paintings it's got i think it's the abc scenic union stamp on them but i mean they weren't really done by anybody of note that i know of yeah the original one was stolen there was the reproduction one that they made um which was introduced first after after the uh, 1995 storyline on the show, that's when it appeared because they had taken it off of the wall for the uh, 1970 parallel time. And kind of while they were filming House of Dark Shadows, and actually there was a version for House of Dark Shadows as well, which sold, I think it was at a festival some years back, sold for like $13,000, the one from the movie, which wow. was actually significantly larger than the ones used on the show. Mm-hmm. It was a large painting. Um, and Lindhurst actually has a, a copy of uh, the House of Dark Shadows Barnabas painting, uh-huh. along with... Um, Laura Parker has her actual Angelique painting from Night of Dark Shadows. Yeah. And um, she sells prints of that as well, canvas prints of it, really nice ones. And um, one of them was made for Lindhurst. So at certain events, Lindhurst will uh, bring out their Dark Shadows portraits. Yeah, oh, great. Uh, some of them were sold at between the, the original series and the 91 series. Some were sold at festivals um, over the years, but most of them aren't really, or their whereabouts are not known right. after all these years. 
there were so many, I mean, dark portraits were such a, a mainstay on dark shadows. I mean, there were so many of them that would turn up uh, and it's just, who knows where, where some of those are like the original Angelique painting from uh, the first one that, that yeah. was kind of, she was tethered to in some way. And then there's the parallel time one, which is similar to the night of dark shadows, the pose, but it's different. She has a white dress and the, the gloves and everything. I mean, they, so I think for the night of dark shadows ones, they just use the, cause they had, um, Laura Parker do a photo shoot um, mm-hmm. for the painting for the uh, 1970 print all the time, and they use the photo to paint the painting. And if you look at the, that one and the Night of Dark Shadows one, it's just a different dress and a slightly different background. So they repainted it probably. Yeah, yeah I think, I don't know if they painted over, or they just used, they made an exact, mostly exact duplicate of it just with a different dress. Mm-hmm. But it's clearly based on the one from 1970 for a yeah. long time. Uh, but yeah, the 1795 painting, you know, it'd be nice to know where a lot of these went to. I know for a while after the storyline in the lobby of the studio, they had the uh, the Phoenix painting, the Lara painting hanging yes. up in the lobby. Yeah. There's um, several fan taken pictures from inside the lobby of it hanging up on the wall there. Yeah. But afterwards, I have no idea what happened to it. Um, actually, inside of Seaview Terrace, there's um, replicas of some of the paintings from the show. There's the Barnabas painting, mm-hmm. and then there's a really nice copy of um, the Lara, the Phoenix painting. Yeah. We have there. There's a Josette um, one too. Yeah, the, the Josette one's nice, but the um that one was just kind of made later. But mm-hmm. the uh the Lara, the Phoenix one was actually taken from an actual high quality photograph of the original painting. Oh nice. And uh, made into a large um canvas print. Yeah, and it's it was when I was there, it was in the fireplace, which yeah. I love. <laughs> That's where it was displayed. That was great. Yeah, guy always puts it in the fireplace there. Yes. <laughs> it's nice though. The, the Barnabas painting hangs at Seaview in the dining room year round. Yeah. There. It's nice that the owners of the house have they've embraced um, its history with Dark Shadows. And, uh, you know, there have been a couple fan films that were actually filmed at Seaview Terrace. And uh, Denise Carey, the owner of the house, she actually participated and played characters in them. Yes, and her uh, late dog, uh, Rudolfo. Rudolfo. That's why we always call the dog in the in the puzzle, Rudolfo. <laughs> yeah, I loved Rudolfo. He was such Aww. a big, nice. As long as he knew that you were allowed to be on the property, you were fine. But, uh, <laughs> but it, if he had an idea that you weren't supposed to be there, he wouldn't attack you, but he would knock you down. And he was a big dog. Yeah. <laughs> he was a Neapolitan Mastiff. I mean, he was gigantic. Yeah. Um, Jeff, has knowing, um, you know, you've gotten to know a lot of the actors over the years from participating in the fandom has that uh affected your perception of the show when you watch it like are you still able to like watch the show as a fan and enjoy it as a story onto itself no definitely that Mm -hmm. um i've always been able to separate them and i'm actually currently making my way through the series for the fourth time Mm -hmm. um you know those 1225 episodes take a while to go through yeah um (laughs) And I mean, I've watched certain storylines and different things multiple times, but actually going through the series, I'm almost done with my fourth time through. And um, I mean, some of the actors that I've got to know pretty well, you know, I mean, I can when I watch it, I do kind of see them. You know, I picture them now, but I mean, for the most part, I, I'm they'll always be their characters for me. I mean, you know, Catherine will always be Maggie and Josette and, you know, Chris, you know, even it, seeing his characters on the show and knowing the man personally that uh, I could, there's definitely a lot of Chris in his characters. Yeah. Just that kind of out there kind of, uh, 
you know, I don't want really to use the term crazy, but definitely out Bananas there. energy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, there's a lot of that, a lot of his characters. You know, people like Sharon Smith. You know, oh, Sharon she's Smith so sweet. Now. Yeah. She's so nice. Um, yeah. I, I really wish she could have been given more to do on the show. Yeah. Um, I actually, that's another thing I have. Um, Sharon has, um, she has copies of the letter that she received from Dan Gerdes Productions, essentially firing her from the show. So need her anymore. So she sells uh, reproductions. <laughs> <laughs> I have her, I met her at a Coast City Comic Con. I was doing an appearance as Penny Dreadful. And I usually don't get like butterflies when I, when I'm going to meet guests, because I've met a lot of celebrities just sitting at tables and stuff and chit chatting and, but Dark Shadows people, I'm always like, oh, my God, Sharon Smith is going to be there. So she but she was the sweetest person. And I got a uh, I have it back there. I don't know if you can see it hanging on there. I have the little oh, yeah. Sarah, Sarah yeah, Collins bag. bag. Yeah, 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 she she has little bags with Sarah uh, mm-hmm. artwork on them. She's so nice. Uh, I have to get her on here at, at some point. I know she's been through a lot lately, but um, oh, yeah, with her husband. Yeah. A lot yeah. of issues. Yeah. Um, but the very first actor I ever met was Denise Nickerson. Oh, wow. Um, Back around 2010, mm-hmm. it was before I started doing the festival. She was the first actor from Dark Shadows that I ever met. And I go to a lot of conventions, so I've met a lot of actors and musicians and all kinds of stuff over the years. But talking to her, they had kind of positioned her and uh, Paris Thiemann, the guy he played Mike TV and Willy Wonka. Okay. With her. Um, they just had them stuck at tables in the back of the convention center, and they were uh-huh. kind of just sitting there um it was the year later they did a big wonka kid reunion there where they had them all there but at this one they just had denise and paris i spent a good 45 minutes or an hour talking to, to denise and uh, she was so nice it was just yeah. a tiny little thing she was i mean she never really got much taller than she was when she was on the show <laughs> like when i took my picture with her i kind of i'm a tall guy i had to lean down and uh, she was a sp- real spitfire too, just from yeah. the interviews I see with her and, and things like that. Oh, that's so cool. You you got to meet her. Um, that was before she started getting sick. I mean, yeah. the last couple of years of her life, I mean, she went through a very rough patch and all that. And yeah. um, but it, it was it was probably just a couple of years before because she was on Facebook for a while. She talked to a lot of people. She was very active in the, with the fans, mm-hmm. you know, to, like what Sharon is. Denise was like the same way. Yeah. Um, but then just one day she disappeared yeah. and um, she like unfriended everybody. Oh, that's, that's I think it was right around the time she started getting ill. Yeah. But um, it's, it's sad because, you know, she never, she's never really going to get a chance to uh, know her, her grandchild that, yeah. uh, was born but she was a very nice lady i after meeting her at the convention she friended me on facebook and we used to talk regularly Aww. on there and she was kind of that my way into uh meeting the dark shadows actors and all that it kind of all started with her yeah and um she was really nice yeah well it's it's great you got to have that experience of getting yeah. to know her though uh, i'm glad to see you know Dave, david hennessy has been participating more in yeah events like online stuff like he's been been part of those last couple of things they did so that's that's pretty cool that he's he's been more into it lately i guess you know part of his restaurant business he occasionally um comes to chicago for reason and i i never know that he was in chicago until after uh, he, he posts pictures uh, yeah. there. it's like man i wish i would have known that he was 
<laughs> and I know he's very he's very nice with fans. If you ever come down, I mean, if you're in Panama um, <laughs> and visit his restaurant, I mean, he has no problem talking to fans. And his video, he posts videos on his Instagram. Yeah. Some of them are pretty funny, and so he still has that yeah. performer side to him. Where you can you yeah. can definitely see that still coming out in him. It was weird hearing his voice for the first time. He has a little bit of an accent, huh? Yeah, like, yeah a little bit of a Spanish. All little these years down, out, all these years down there that he's kind of picked that yes. up. It was, it was definitely different. Yeah, I, I noticed that too, and I said he has. He's definitely picked up a little bit of a. There's a little bit of a, like a Spanish lilt to yeah. to his voice for sure. Um, did you ever figure out? I'm just jumping back real quick to that to figuring out the locations if it's okay. Did you ever figure out like they used a lot of like still images for things like Nicholas Blair's house or Dr. Lang's house? Did you ever track those down? Because those are so because the backgrounds they used they superimposed them over yeah. you know so it's like where it what which house is that you know? You know there's a couple of locations on the show that nobody's been able to find because at the time the show just used stock images that they had in their library like. Um, Nicholas Blair's house, Dr. Lane's house. I see. Um, yeah. And um, Windcliff. And then there was that one of uh, Sea View, the house by the sea, you know, that Vicki and Burke were going to be moving into yes. Bangor Pines Motel or Hotel. Right. Um, they were all just stock photos. It's been very hard. Like even the opening of the show with the waves crashing on the rocks. A lot of people think that they filmed that in Newport when they were doing all their location filming. But I've actually tried to match up all those rocks with everything in Newport. And I cannot match them up. And Bob Costello in an early festival has said that it was just stock footage oh so um, it wasn't i i've always assumed it was newport when they filmed bob it. has also yeah. been wrong about some things though too i see he mm-hmm. said the show never ran in syndication which oh <laughs> and um i don't know so it's it's hard to tell what's uh what's correct and what's not but i mean i did my best to try and mash those rocks up um there are the beach scenes um like lookout point on the show you know where matthew malloy bill malloy yeah or matthew morgan killed bill malloy um that beach there that's was actually directly behind the house the beach behind the house there Mm -hmm. um but you know i've not those still images it's just nobody's been able to find believe me i've been trying over the years and it's just there's a house in kenny bunkport maine that um people like even locals there say oh this was a house used on dark shadows um there's some from what i read online a tour guide told them that that was a house used in the opening and it's yeah. clearly not I mean, right you and i have both been to see we know what the house looks like sure yeah um, but <laughs> I've only been able to find one or two images of this house online and the view that they use on the show is from the water. So it, it's been a hard time really matching up whether or not this house was actually used on the show. It, it's possible that it may be one of them, but um, it would have to be a stock photo because I doubt they would go that far north just to take a couple pictures of some houses. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I always forget about the stock you know, that's probably, yeah, that probably is what, what they just pulled from like ABC stock material, like the werewolf howl. Like I was talking about that in an earlier episode, like where, where did the werewolf howl come from? It must be some stock audio that they had at ABC because you hear that or anywhere, just in general for the use of the entertainment industry, because you hear that howl and other things, but then there's also the, I'm sorry, this scream, um, 
was it Scream of the Lamb? There's a horror record from like the yeah. early 60s and it, there's a sound effect in that. Just interrupting myself real quick here. What I'm referring to is a scream that was used several times in Dark Shadows, most notably in the scene where Maggie Evans has a nightmare in which uh, she sees herself dead in a coffin and then sees her own face as a skull screaming. That scream, uh, I initially thought that was Catherine Lee Scott screaming. And there's a story where they hired an actress to scream and she didn't do a great job. So Catherine Lee Scott did it herself. But this particular scream uh, is actually uh, Alan Gallant wrote to me. Uh, he listens to the podcast and I appreciate this. He sent in a message that said it was a sound effects library scream, which can be heard on the circa 1960 Halloween album, Spooky Stuff for Halloween. Halloween. And uh, it's on side A of the album. And it is there. It is that scream uh, that you can hear on that album. So uh, it's just a sound effects library scream. And the Halloween record probably got it from the same place uh, Dark Shadows did. It's probably some special effects sound library. And that's probably where the werewolf uh, howl came from as well. I'm sure ABC had access to, uh, and probably other studios had access to that. Sometimes these things turn up and it's like, oh, somebody listens to the show, sent me a link to it and said, oh, this is where the sound effect came from. But I know that some of the screams that you hear, they actually had scream doubles on the show yeah um like with Catherine screaming she didn't really there's you hear it in the background it, it's obviously dubbed over um, yeah. a lot of these actresses didn't do a lot of the really loud screaming but I'm, I'm pretty sure from what i read they just had uh they had other people kind of off screen or extras or somebody record um the screams but i yeah there were some that had to come from sock and then even since then, there have been um, different sound effects and music cues that have become really popular. Like I was watching that show, Tales from the Dark Side. Oh, um, I remember that show, yeah. That, um, and one of them was directed by uh, Armand Monstrio. He, he directed some of the 1991 revival series. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I always look for different Dark Shadows references. Like the first episode of Tales from the Dark Side had a Barnard Hughes in it who had appeared on Dark Shadows. And they used a lot of kind of sound cues from from the show, from Dark Shadows. And it's it was cool watching that and seeing just like random little things pop up or even Dan Curtis's movies that he made. Like if you watch Dracula, Dracula is very Dan Curtis and Dark Shadows. Big time. Between the music and all that. Because, you know, we had Bob Colbert do all these, the music for them. Oh, yeah. The music box, the the theme that they have in it and uh, all of that. Yeah. Very yeah. much so. It's really cool with Dracula. That kind of started that whole trope of uh, Dracula trying to find his lost bride and yeah. uh, Mina being the reincarnation of... Well, he pulled it right from Dark Shadows and yeah. put it in that. Yeah, he, he started that on Dark Shadows. He brought it into Dracula. And now, you know, like... Um, it's everywhere. The, uh, the Bram Stoker's Dracula with Gary Oldman. Yep. That was kind of one of the first ones to kind of bring that into their storyline using that... But even nowadays, like some of the modern vampire TV shows, you know, or even um, there was that Dracula TV series yes. um, a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had that whole idea of Mina being the reincarnation of his former love. Yeah. And it's just cool that all that came from Dark Shadows. There's so much that that actually came from Dark Shadows that I, I feel it doesn't get enough. I, I gripe about this on the show sometimes because it's like it doesn't get acknowledged enough. Sometimes I was watching this uh, video by a popular YouTuber and she was talking about vampires and the kind of the history of vampires. And she went right from uh, Dracula to Anne Rice 
and so no. about sympathetic vampires and all of this kind of stuff. And she and it just was like, there's a big step there that you just skipped over. And I feel like there's a I've talked about this before, too. I feel like there's a gap after the show went off the air and went into syndication. It wasn't it wasn't syndication, but I feel like it didn't hit enough markets that that next generation that's like there's a cult following, but it's like, I wish there was a little more awareness of it so that that acknowledgement will be there, would be there. Like last October, there was, I think it was Time or Life released this big magazine, Vampires, about vampires. There's no Dark Shadows. It's like the whole yeah. thing. It was like, come on. Well, this is, like, Dark Shadows was huge. It was a huge pop culture for not and Barnabas was a pivotal figure in the history of vampires uh and how they're depicted in media and like you said with the with the reincarnation of the lost love being as being applied to vampires and all of that I mean as we had that with the mummy with the with the Karloff mummy but this is the first time it was applied to vampires and it has subsequently become this trope that you see all the time Mm-hmm. You know, um, a lot of the even the newer modern horror shows like Supernatural. Oh, yeah. And um, oh, what was that one soap opera that kind of really delved into some supernatural elements? Was it Passions? Pa- was it? Pa- yeah, Passions. Yeah. The creators of those series always acknowledged Dark Shadows yes. as being an inspiration for them. Um yeah. I just yeah, I wish there was more awareness. American Horror Story. Uh, was, yeah. what, I forgot his name. The guy that yeah. wrote showrunner on that. He's a, he's a Dark Shadows fan, and using the cast members as different characters, and, uh, and he had a Barnabas, Barnabas Kane. Kane. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Show up in one episode. Yeah. Yeah. So it's nice when when there is that nod, but it's like when you when you see something presented as like, oh, here's a history of this topic, and it's like. You got to do a little more research if you're if you're not familiar with it because that component is is essential. Like that that kind of gets under my skin a little bit sometimes. But I'd like to yeah. see more. And I think what like you mentioned with something like if reincarnation happens, which I hope it does, because I know Mark is really pushing hard for that. I think we would see more awareness of the original show and more merchandise, more collectibles that would come out for the original show. Because MPI, I mean, they're they're the there are other companies that have gotten the license to do so, but MPI is sort of the mainstay where they keep putting out Dark Shadows stuff. But it's like, I'd like to see more variety and items from different companies in addition to MPI as well. Yeah, that would be really nice. Yeah, they still occasionally put some stuff out through MPI, like the uh, the Snow Globe and yep. the Talking mm-hmm. Barnabas figure and the cane they did. Mm-hmm. But I mean, those are all kind of very few and far in between. They only do limited runs of them. So it's, yeah. it's tough for a lot of fans. It's just there's not that big awareness out there. You know, that's why I wish that that WB pilot had been picked up. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, it's funny at the time they wanted to do the pilot and they spent a lot of money on it. But then they WB started canceling a lot of their supernatural themed shows like uh, Charmed and Angel. But then later on, once the CW took over, Mm -hmm. you know, the supernatural became huge. I mean, there's a whole big resurgence now in uh, those kind of supernatural themed shows, those horror shows. And I think uh, Dark Shadows wasn't given the... uh, the chance it deserved. I agree. I agree. I, I'm I'm uh, excited about the idea of Mark's take being just because it's a sequel to the original show, which hasn't been done on on television. I mean, they did it with the with the audios, but they haven't done it on TV, like or on some 
some sort of visual uh, mm. continuation of the show. And I think that would be, it would be an interesting uh, experiment. It's like, how do you, how do you do a next generation version of Dark Shadows while also bringing in elements of the original and honoring the original? And I think, I mean, I don't know if you saw the interview I did with Mark, but he I was, did. I mean, he's, he's got some really, uh, really cool ideas and he's clearly a passionate fan. So I'm curious I, I hope he gets his chance to do it, you know? Yeah, he definitely sold me on it. Mm. You know, I had read some of the articles and interviews with him, but it wasn't until listening to him on your show that uh, I, I'm sold on it. I, I'm Whenever there's any announcement of anything, I'll I'll be promoting the heck out of it all over. That uh, <laughs> I'm really looking forward to it. So I really hope it actually comes to fruition. For sure. Because um, I went through all this before with the WB pilot. Yeah. And um, so I really hope, I, except with the, the thing with the WB pilot, it was nothing new. It was just, again, a retread of that same story right? You know that they had done multiple times between the series and House of Dark Shadows and the 91 series. Yeah, They were just telling that same origin story over and over again. I like that Mark has an original idea, you know, yeah. something new. And, I'm, and being a big fan of all the big finish, I, I like those new storylines. Um, so I'm really looking forward to uh, that if it happens. That, uh, but he he really sold himself on your show. That uh, I sent. I had a lot of people watch that episode, and uh, they've all said the same. It's that they're looking forward to it. He is a hardcore fan. He's not like somebody who's like, oh, I'm going to attach my name to it. He really, since he was a kid, I mean, he's pulling out his scrapbooks from when he was a kid and showing pictures of Barnabas. And I'm not, I mean, yes, uh, uh, you know, Burton and Depp were fans as well, but they were, I, when I talked to Stuart Manning, he kind of put it into a different perspective for me. And he just said, they're, especially Tim Burton, which makes it, he's a fan from more of a visual perspective, I think. And like, cause he did the visuals. A lot of the visuals were there. I mean, like I said before, his Barnabas was the only one with the pointy bangs and he really, you know, he really kind of, it was overboard. I mean, really, you know, kind of ghoulish looking, but still, I mean, sometimes Fred was ghoulish looking too, when he had the makeup and stuff, but he, he really had that look to it, the sea view look and everything. So that in that regard, I would say, you know, he was expressing his fandom that way. Well, you know, with Burton, um, he released a um, there's a like a visual um, book based yep. on the show with a bunch of behind the scenes photos and everything. And you can see there's a couple photos of some of the walls in the production offices where they've got a lot of images of sea view hung up there and different characters from the original show. It's like so they were trying to I agree with you. It's definitely visual inspiration from Mm -hmm. um, the original series the house itself you know it obviously looks a lot like that famous view of sea view but there's little elements of lindhurst in there as well yeah um which i like but yeah no i agree with you awesome jeff is there any are there any other collectibles you wanted to show uh, before we wrap things up well you know um you know with my history with the house as well um back in the 60s when um they were filming the show and they did a lot of the filming there. It was a, um, it was the Newport school for girls mm -hmm. um, part of the year in Burnham by the sea, another school um, that they use there inside the house. And I actually have some of the original yearbooks from, from oh, during that time. That's um, so cool. 1969. And what I love, um, I was flipping, I was trying to decide which one to bring with there's um, 
a couple of years ago, there was a guy that was living inside of Seaview Terrace, Adam, that had taken some nice pictures of the house in the wintertime in the snow. And that's a view of the house that we never really see before. You never see column wood in the snow. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the thing is, there's that famous tree in front of the house that we always see on dark shadows, but that was cut down back in the seventies, yeah. the early eighties. But I actually found in this yearbook there's a picture of uh oh there it is, yeah. Look at that with the, the snow. In the covered in snow with the tree there. That's so cool. Wow. Oh, what a cool, what a treasure. That's so cool that you have that. Oh, nice. What's nice about these yearbooks is there's a lot of, especially if you're like into the house as much as I am and you visit the house, there's a lot of old pictures in there from all inside and around the house. Um, It's really cool seeing it back then. I've got a lot of pictures of the house when it was new but there are not a lot of pictures from throughout its history. So it's cool seeing those views like that. I mean, I've got so much. I mean, we've talked about a lot of my major things that I have in my collection. Um, That's one one of my favorites up there, the Barnabas painting. Yes, I have one of those Uh, too. (laughs) And actually behind me, I've got, um, I've posted the images online, but there's the Starry Night at Collinwood. Oh yeah, there it is. Yeah. Um, and then next to it, that's my very first time visiting Seaview okay. back in uh, 2013. And you're standing went, in front of it. Yeah. I went on a road trip with a couple of my friends um, to all the different Dark Shadows filming locations that we could find. And um, this is before I started staying at the house. Uh, we had just gotten permission to go onto the property because um, my fr- my first time actually staying at the house wasn't until 4th of July 2014. Mm-hmm. But this was summer of 2013. So I've got the canvas print of myself there. And then up on top, I've got a picture of myself and my two friends that we did the road trip with. That's awesome. But yeah, and actually hanging over there, it's kind of weird. But I found uh, there's this lady that makes, she takes images of like a tattoo off of you. And she kind of makes it kind of look like it's from like a serial killer, like it's flayed skin. Oh, God. So it's, it's, it's supposed to be like my tattoo, like the skin oh, from my arm. Flayed. I was wondering what the heck yeah. that was. Oh, I see it. Wow. Yeah. That is both creepy and awesome at the same time. Yeah, she prints it <laughs> on leather. Awesome. So it's got that kind of skin texture and she adds kind of like this kind of gore around the edges of it. And yeah. But yeah, that's my tattoo hanging on my wall. Yeah, that's amazing. That is, wow. That's wild. That is a really cool thing to have. Wow. But cool. um, I'd say by far my biggest, my favorite collectible would be the coffin set. The that's coffin all set. Fine. And it's more so, it's really cool having the signatures on there, especially from some that have passed away. But uh, just the memories that are attached to it with uh, my grandma. My grandma was one of my best friends that I took care of her for the last several years of her life. And took her out to the East Coast. She got she got to stay at CBU as well. I brought her to one of the parties up there oh, after wow. the festival. And she just kind of hit it off with a lot of the other group that a lot of our group that stay there they became good friends yeah um but yeah so i've got there's a lot of memories attached to that coffin set i mean that's why you know this is a wall of important stuff for me and i've got that picture with her at the uh at the uh, banquet at the festival yeah oh i see it oh that's so sweet that's awesome Yeah, it's great that you got to experience all all of that, too, with with her and that you gave her that experience of taking her to to those things. I'm sure she she helped raise me. So I figured I'd try to give her a good life as best as I could. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Jeff, I want to thank you for taking the time to to sit down with me and talk about 
dark shadows collectibles and and locations which was a really cool uh you know aspect as well as well as this conversation and for digging out some of that merchandise that you have some of those rare items uh that you have here here to show off and for uh discussing that with me so thank you very much and um the dark shadows collectors group this is a, a great facebook page and what were some of the other ones that you admin you uh, mentioned my main group that i run is dark shadows for all for yellow yeah. um and then those are my main groups but i also do dark shadows the old house i've got the jonathan frigg fan group there's another one jonathan frigg material the christopher Pennock fan group there's dark shadows in the 21st century now, a lot of them people have made me admin on there to help them run it but by far dark shadows for all is my main group that uh that i run i've been the co-admin of it since like october of 2011 so coming up on 11 years now because it started off it was dark shadows 2012 was the name of the group originally and it was all dedicated to um the burden and debt movie the 2012 movie like any images anything that was released on the movie but we posted that all on there but then after it came out we just decided to uh focus on all things dark shadows and nowadays unfortunately a lot of the groups we don't really talk about the death movie just because it's such a taboo topic there are certain groups that might i might not even be able to post this episode to because just the name burton yeah. is not allowed in some of the groups so it's you know i guess it's still a very divisive i think it's okay. discussing it you know whether you like it or not I and mean, as long as people are civil about it but unfortunately that's uh, sometimes easier said than done well i know i've had people tell me that i wasn't a true fan because i enjoyed the movie oh god come on well there's also people who say that the only like true fans of the show are the ones who watched it originally when it was on. That's, I've heard that. That's that troubles me. And I've I've gotten that a couple of times, too. And that's as a second generation fan. I, you know, I'm a very hardcore fan, too, as you are as well. So that's a ridiculous assertion to make. Yeah, I'm only 39 years old. The show went off the air 12 years before I was even born. I mean, that's not my fault. I discovered <laughs> it as a child like everybody else did. And I watched it. It, you know, just like everybody else did as a kid. I just, I couldn't watch it when it was on originally. I, I think when people start classifying fans into like, oh, only the, the, these fans are actual fans. And I mean, yes, I wasn't uh, there, you know, in, uh, you know, 1966. So I didn't experience the context in which the show was aired. However, I think you can love the show and appreciate the the content of the show without, I mean, Dark Shadows was such an escape from the real world as it was that I almost... It, it's like you it doesn't matter what what era and you watch it and it's you're still in that immersed in that gothic world that, that dan curtis and the writers and the actors created for us you know so yeah it was uh, its own little bubble that just kind of existed it didn't delve with with the outside world at all i mean it was mm-hmm. on during the height of the vietnam war yeah. but that never made its way onto the show like you said it was an escape from all that so it's pretty timeless i mean yeah a lot of the 60s part the present day stuff is kind of dated because it was in the 60s mm-hmm. and 70s but i mean a lot of the show takes place in the past so i mean it's 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 its own self-contained universe and i mean hell they didn't even have a tea or a toilet on the show so, I mean, it, <laughs> it, uh, but um it was just of its era but it's also very timeless as well um i just think a lot of the kids nowadays it'd be a lot harder for them to really truly get into the original series just because there are parts of it that do 
move very slowly and drag. A lot of the kids nowadays just don't have the attention span to really, you know, watch short attention span theater. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, a lot of the, a lot of the stuff you see now is just kind of spastic. Like it's kind of, there's no, I like the slow burn. I've always been a fan of that. And I, I enjoy that just as watching it slowly unfold. And I, I think that's, that's cool. But then as the show goes on, it picks up, definitely, oh, picks definitely up the pace yeah. for sure. Um, but I think, you know, it doesn't matter when you discovered the show, it's your, if you're, if you love dark shadows, you're a fan of dark shadows. You're not any more or less a fan than somebody who discovers it today, who loves it and gets into it. Or somebody who watched the first episode in 1966 and got into it. It doesn't matter. And I've, I've gotten a little bit of that. I'm just uh, interrupting myself again, as I edit this episode, because this topic might be a good one for a future episode. Uh, Maybe I'll get a round table going with fans from different generations. It, the the whole idea of this is absurd. Um, and it isn't only with Dark Shadows. I've encountered this in other fan communities as well. And I've always found it just, it doesn't hold water. It would be like saying only those kids who read Superman in the, in the 30s, in the late 30s, early 40s, the golden age era of Superman, those are the only true fans of Superman. Anybody who's subsequently, you know, written books about Superman and researched the, the lives of Siegel and, and Schuster and collected Superman memorabilia and collect the comics, uh, those are not as big of fans as the original fans. That's, that's absurd. Uh, or people who became fans of Elvis Presley uh, in the 50s when he first appeared on the scene. And those are the only true fans of Elvis Presley. Anybody who's become a fan of Elvis since then is not, not as big a fan uh, because they didn't experience the context. But uh, originally, I had some direct quotes during this conversation with Jeff, uh, but I don't want to target anybody specifically if they're listening to this episode or whatever. I did pull a couple of quotes from my memory that came to mind that I found a little off-putting, I guess, but it is not a common occurrence, I would say, in the the fandom. I don't see this happen very often. I've always felt very welcome by everyone, especially in person uh, during festivals or get-togethers or anything like that. I've never felt uh, excluded or or, uh, less than, I guess. You know, it's more something that I see online. And uh, I think for second generation fans or third generation fans, you also have to keep in mind that the shared experience of the first generation fans in terms of running home from school to watch Dark Shadows and, and the, new, the freshness of it, the excitement of things that were coming out at the time and the, just that experience, that nostalgia, not only for the show, but for everything surrounding that era of the show, which even I feel to some degree, even though I wasn't there in the 60s, I I have a sort of a, I don't know, a nostalgia for it somehow. Um, and, and I can't explain it. I think it might be because I only missed that era by a couple of years. And I heard so much about it from my uncle. And I, I would say I'm from the last generation that watched uh, syndicated reruns as the mainstays of TV. You get home, you watch Flipper. You know, you watch the Banana Splits. You watch the Monkees. Uh, you were watching uh, even 50s stuff was on all over the place. You know, I was watching reruns of all of that stuff growing up. It was, you know, 70s into the 80s. So I I don't know. I just, I've always been, I've romanticized the past a lot too. So that might be part of it as well. But anyway, I wasn't there. But I know that that shared experience is, that's a huge thing. And that's really important and precious to the first generation fans. I wish I could have experienced Dark Shadows in its first 
airings. Um, but on the other hand, I was immersed in Dark Shadows from the get-go, all the way through the 70s and, and the 80s, etc., because my uncle uh, exposing me to it. I did get the experience of sauntering to my grandmother's house to watch Dark Shadows when the bus would drop me off at her house. Uh, it was on at four. So, I mean, by the time the bus dropped me off, it was like maybe quarter three. I'd saunter down to my grandmother's house and watch the syndicated episodes of Dark Shadows on Channel 58. But I think there, there should be some level of understanding that while the experience, contextually speaking, is not exactly the same, it is equally valid in its own way. And the level of information that's available to fans who want to learn more about Dark Shadows is accessible to fans from any generation. Anyway, I want to get back to Jeff here. I hear, I've heard that many times over the years, being as young as I am, yeah. um, well, compared to a lot of the original fans that, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, oh, I'm not as big of a fan because I didn't get to watch it originally. That just doesn't make yeah. sense. It's like, <laughs> that I've dedicated my life to this show. Well, yeah, right. You have a tattoo of freaking Collinwood <laughs> on your arm. So if anybody says you're not a fan, all you got to do is flash that. Go <laughs> say that again. What, what was that again? <laughs> it's, so, it's crazy. Hold it's my beer. Yeah. <laughs> At the 2014 Fest, I mean, I have so many pictures of this tattoo floating around out there. I had to stand there with my arm out to the side, like for a lot of that festival, just people either checking it out, looking at it or yeah. taking pictures of it. <laughs> I saw a great uh, tattoo online. I showed, actually, I showed Bob at, uh, when I was at CV, it was uh, a, a tattoo of Count Patofi. Somebody yeah. has a Count Patofi. I love that that even exists, that somebody wanted to put Count Patofi tattoo. I don't know if I've ever seen that one. I know there's a lady yeah. that actually has Collinwood across the top of her back. That's awesome. Um, wow. But. I she thought it was Seaview Terrace, but the image that she gave to her tattoo artist was actually of the the 2012 column. Oh, oh. And, so, and she hated that movie. Oh so no! It's, <laughs> and she refused to believe that it was the 2012 version. That, but we finally convinced her that it was. Oh, there was oh. she even had the fountain in front of it of the house as well. Yikes! And, you would think of uh, something that big that you would you know do the research i hope she maybe she got it touched up to <laughs> yeah, but I, I looked at it immediately could tell that it was the 12 one yeah. and not the original one. Oh yeah that's that's unfortunate if you're listening i'm i'm sorry that yeah. happened but <laughs> yeah. i'm sure it's still cool looking though oh no it is it's very yeah. cool looking but yeah. So somebody hasn't got, I wonder if anybody's ever gotten the Leviathan, like the Naga symbol on their, on their wrists. <laughs> that would be cool. That, um, I know, I know a couple people have dark shadows related tattoos. Like a friend of mine, Jenny, she has kind of waves crashing on a rock and it says oh, my journey is beginning. That's cool. Um, yeah. But, um, no, definitely. I am think I've had people tell me I should get the old house on this arm, but this oh. arm's kind of full of tattoos now that okay. I don't really have room for it there. Yeah. The old house would be a good one. That that'd be cool. I saw someone once with um, it was at a restaurant and she had she had all kinds of horror tattoos, and I noticed she had uh Barnabas, uh from the post uh, House of Dark Shadows poster. It's yeah, where he's he's going to bite Maggie yeah. and he's like yeah. like this. And I was like, oh Barnabas, <laughs> and she was like, yeah, she was a big Dark Shadows fan, but she had all kinds of kinds of horror tattoos. I may get a Barnabas one eventually. It just, it was just, it was the perfect placement for this one on my arm. It just oh, yeah. fit perfectly on the forearm there because the house is long. So it's, mm -hmm. 
yeah. it worked very well. That's perfect. All right, yeah. Jeff. Well, I want to thank you again. Uh, it was a great conversation. I keep, I keep, we keep like thinking of new things to talk. I'm so excited to, to get to chat with you since I didn't get to meet you in person at CVU. So thank you again. Hopefully we'll get this up in July. Folks, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, etc., wherever your favorite podcast app, if you have an option to rate and review, uh, I would really appreciate it if you did that because it does help the podcast to grow and to reach more Dark Shadows fans, past, present, and future. Uh, so definitely give it a rating, give it a review if you get the opportunity. Uh, if you're watching or listening on YouTube, this one is a video version. If you're watching on YouTube, please do subscribe so that you can stay up to date with new video versions. I may do more of these down the road. Uh, so do subscribe, do please like the video, share the video with your friends uh, just to, to spread the word to fellow Dark Shadows fans who may not be aware of uh, the podcast. So uh, with that said, thank you very much for listening. And for as long as they lived, the dark shadows never truly vanished, for there will always be Terror at Collinwood. Terror at Collinwood is a Penny Dreadful production.